COVID, just like my husband Bruce, who was preaching personally, was at home with COVID when he was supposed to be preaching. As you can see, we timed it really excellently. But let's have a look at Galatians. Um, when I read Galatians, I remember, sometimes I used to pick Jack up from school with his friend Danny, and they would sit on the back seat while I was driving and I'd listen to what they were saying. And occasionally they would discuss world affairs, and I remember a couple of times hearing Danny say about something, well, that's stupid. And we could look at the Galatians and say, why on earth would they want to try and follow all the Jewish laws? Why would they want to make non-Jewish non people follow the laws and particularly get circumcised? And I bet all the guys were a bit stressed about that. So we could look at that and go, well, that's stupid. We would never do that. But scripture is actually like medicine. It's not enough for us to look at the Galatians and think, well, that was dumb as. We have to look at scripture and apply it to our own lives. What does it mean for us? So let's try and read it and make it more personal. Let's read it, the NIV version. You foolish Hudsidians, have you lost the plot? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Oh, let's try the message version of that. You crazy Hudsidians, what have you been smoking? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened, for it's obvious you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. Hmm, that makes it a bit more challenging if we think about it ourselves. The Jewish Galatians grew up following the Lord. It was what they knew. It was safe. It was familiar. It was their way to please God. It was their, how they lived. Um, it was their pattern. And I think we have our own patterns, our own way of living. And sometimes we, yeah, we try and save ourselves. We have our strategy for life, um, which doesn't always include what God would like us to do. And they're often habits that we developed as children. So I'd like to try and look at some of those habits um, to see if we need to apply the medicine of scripture to ourselves. Number one, perhaps you work really hard. You work with all your might to achieve perfection in the hope that perhaps God will be pleased with you. Maybe because your parents were like that. You had to try really, really hard to please them and it Often how we relate to our parents is how we relate to God. So you might cling on to the verse, be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect and just try, 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 work, work, work. Um, and your hard work does indeed make the world a better place for most of us. But it doesn't make God love you any more than he already does. And it's okay to take time to not work and to really enjoy the goodness of the world. Or maybe number two, 
Perhaps you try to earn salvation by looking after others. So, so, so. You care for people, you do things for them, and sometimes you feel a bit of sort of niggling resentment that they're not grateful enough for all that you do for them. But also it's really, really hard for you to say when you need something or that you need help. And it's really hard to ask for help. I find it very difficult. It just makes me feel incompetent. But um, having had to move house, having moved house and then got COVID, I've been so grateful for the friends who've come and moved stuff and helped me clean and provided meals. So that all the people who are pouring out their lives, serving others are such a blessing. You really are a blessing to those of us who receive. But it doesn't make God love you more. And you also are special and deserving of love and care. And it's okay for you to also have needs too. Or number three, perhaps you feel like you have to win to be worth anything. You have to be the best. You have to be better than other people to have any value. And that often comes from parents saying, well, why didn't you score a goal? Or where you got 98%, where's the missing 2%? that can make you feel like whatever you do is not enough that you have to have to have to win and you have to be better than everyone else around you to be worth anything I do sometimes wonder how many Olympic athletes feel like this I'm sure there are those who just love it because they love it and they would do it anyway but I guess there are those who feel that they only have value if they're the best in the world um, but the great news is that you have immense value to God and to us we don't remember how many trophies you got or what percentage you got. We love you anyway. And God died for you when he knew that you were a sinner. And he loves you anyway, even when you don't succeed, even when you fail. And maybe sometimes you're even more lovable when you fail than when you win. That's something to think about. Or maybe number four, you feel different and special no one can really understand you. No one can really understand your situation. You're just isolated from people. God can't understand or God doesn't care enough about you and your tragedy and your situation. But Jesus understands tragedy and loneliness and rejection and isolation. And often those people who have that sense of, of difference are really artistic and create some of the world's beautiful art and poetry so you do you enrich the world you bless us with your your view of the world and your how you express your pain mm, can make the world a beautiful place and I think it's part of how God wants to show himself in the world so you aren't alone in your suffering and tragedy Jesus is there with you and others, even though they seem happy and like life is all going well for them, also have tragedy and suffering. Everyone finds things difficult at times. It's just part of life. Or maybe you'll fall into the number five group who just want more knowledge. You really want to understand. You want to understand everything about God before you're willing to accept him or before you're willing to do what he wants you to do. But... um sadly for you but luckily for everyone else God is too big for you to understand there is a part of God that is mysterious I mean we're, we're not God we can't understand him um, there's a part of faith that you just have to accept mysteries 
he's big he's too big for our comprehension it's wonderful to seek knowledge and the knowledge seekers um, are the ones who write and stretch our imaginations and our minds and make us think you're so are such a good influence on us in the world but you can love God and serve God without understanding him completely because you never will understand him completely or number six maybe you're one of the people who thinks just obey the rules just do what you're supposed to do and then we'll all be safe um, if we all obey the rules the world is a safer place for everyone and you're right it is and you are the pillars of society you're the people who help to make it run smoothly and make it a safe place to be like New Zealanders are very law-abiding and it makes it a safe place to live for most of us and having lived in a country where the rules are all broken it is dangerous and it is scary so your desire for you know for rules is a real blessing um, but it's not enough to save us and give us that deep security we often obey rules because we're, we're deeply afraid and only God can comfort us in that fear he's he's the one who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death he's the one who gives us our peace not rules or perhaps you're one of the number seven people who think well I'm just too small to make any difference in the world so I might as well just enjoy my life and have fun because let's eat drink and be merry because tomorrow we die I can't make any difference so fun 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 and you hate looking at pain and it's just difficult and so just don't go there and you're the people who are the the really fun people we love you we love having you around you you're the life and soul of the party but also there is a place to look at your pain and your suffering and God will help you through it and make you come out even wiser with deeper joy it is safe to go into dangerous places with God. It is safe to look at your pain with God. Or maybe number eight. Perhaps you're one of those people who feels the need to be strong, to be powerful, not to share your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities. Um, and you are the natural leaders of the world. You want to be bigger and stronger than any other person around because the world is a dangerous place and so you need to look big and scary too maybe a bit like a cat that fluffs itself up to scare off other cats so you look bigger and scarier than you actually are and it's really hard to admit your vulnerability and your need for Jesus um, your need for salvation but when you do you can be the most amazing leaders because you often are leaders and the question is where are you leading us to are you leading us into trouble or are you leading us to Jesus and um you can be the most kind of people, like the twos who love to serve and look after people. You can be the ones who are amazingly kind and lead people who are weaker and more vulnerable than you when you admit that it's okay to be vulnerable. Or last of all, maybe number nine, this is the kind of person that I am. Let's keep the peace. Peace at any price. We don't like to have our world ruffled. We don't like conflict. It's very distressing. We just want there to be peace. And it looks like a godly thing, but actually it's not, because there was not solely a godly thing. There is a time 
to fight. If you think about the Second World War, the beginning of the Second World War, some of the governments just tried to appease Hitler's rules, saying, oh, well, you know, if we just let him take over a country or two, then he'll be happy and he'll calm down. And we all know what happened there. So there's definitely a time to fight. And there's a time to say that your needs matter too, or your task matters too. You have a voice and it's time to actually do something. I know for me, I just love to be left alone peacefully in my own mind and it's easy to think I've got nothing to say, I can't really help anyone, I've got no value to add. Um, so even doing this sermon was an act of obedience to God because I know he keeps saying to me, come on, you can do it, you can do it, when I'm thinking, I can't do it. He says, yes, you can. And then I had an out because I got COVID and Andy kindly said he would preach if I wanted him to. But I knew that preaching the sermon was an act of obedience to God. So here it is, God, um, my act of love, my loving act of service to you. So there you have it. Each one of us is trying our own way to connect with God, to be good enough for God to love us. We try so hard to win God's love and approval and so hard to win the love and the approval of the people around us. But actually we're trying really hard to do something that's impossible to do. We can't save ourselves. And we're actually trying really hard to do something that's already been done by God. It's been done by Jesus on the cross. He is the one who did what it took to save us because it took the death of God to rescue us from our sin and our brokenness. It makes me wonder, look, why do we try so hard to save ourselves? And I think it's because we are aware of our sinfulness and our brokenness. We find ourselves so unlovable that it's really hard to believe that God can love us the way we are in our sin and our brokenness. We feel like rubbish. We feel like trash. Surely he can't love us as we are now. And not only are we aware of our brokenness and our sinfulness, we also don't want to be who we are. Um, we don't like who God has made us to be. I mean, I was younger. Gosh, I could have, I could have had plastic surgery. I'm telling you, you wouldn't recognise me now. I would have changed so much about myself. As I've got older, I guess I'm more grumpy about the inside self, and I get grumpy with God and. For making me the way I am, the person that I am. I get angry sometimes that I am an artist because it makes life difficult. It would be much simpler and more profitable to be an accountant and I get grumpy with God for making me yearn to create. Um, I complain to him about it. And of course when I'm busy complaining to God about myself, I hear him saying to me, does the clay say to the potter, what have you made? And I, I laugh because the clay does say to the potter, what have you made? Um, but I also feel rebuked because God may be the way he wants me to be. Um, even if I don't particularly like it and I would have chosen to be made a different way. And maybe that's, you know, we'd focus on trying to save ourselves, but actually maybe our focus should be on asking God to help us be who he made us to be who his picture of us actually is um, 
Thomas Keating was a Trappist monk and he wrote it this way in his book, The Heart of the World. The greatest accomplishment in life is to be what we are, which is God's idea of what he wanted us to be when he brought us into being. Accepting that gift is accepting God's will for us, and in its acceptance is found the path to growth and ultimate fulfillment. Maybe we need to accept who it is that God has made us to be. Jesus asked Peter, Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But maybe we need to say to God, we need to ask God, Who do you say I am? Who have you made me to be? Who is it that you made and loved that I am burying or hiding? So let's think about that as we pray. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, ask that you fill each one of us. Will you show us who you have made us to be? Will you show us the false parts of ourselves that we have put on to please you or to please other people? Who do you say I am? I'm going to close with a paraphrase from Sue Monkkid's book, When the Heart Waits. Father, today I will accept myself. I will accept my life the places it bleeds and the places it smiles. This is my most holy and human task. I will gather up the pain and the questions and hold them like a child on my lap. I will have faith in God and his work in my soul. I will embrace the struggle and the chaos of it all, the splendor, the messiness, the wonder, the agony, the joy, the conflict. Amen. I wish I could be there to pray with you in person, but there are other people who will be there to be able to pray with you. And hopefully I'll be back with you next week, and if you want to come and have a word and we could pray together, I would really love that. Thank you. <laughs>